All right, well, we're going to go ahead and look at our passage for today. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. One verse for us today. It's going to be, it's going to be simple. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are gathered here in your presence, and we are crying out to you. We are saying to you that you are all that we need, Lord. And, Lord, we are asking you for daily bread. Lord, you said that man can't live off bread alone, but every word that comes out of your mouth. Lord, we come because we know that uh, we need your word. We need you to speak to us, Lord God, and... Lord, we want you to be glorified. We want your name to be honored. And we want to meet with you now and hear from you. And pray you help us by the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you are new with us, we are continuing to look at the book of uh, 2 Timothy in the Bible. It's in the second part of the Bible. It's a short little book. And we've uh, titled the series Vintage uh, Season Words uh, to the Church. Now, um, 2 Timothy is a word to the church. It, w- it was written to a pastor who was uh, overseeing a church. And guess what we are? We're a church. So it is a word to us. Now, what's interesting about today's word to us, 2 Timothy 3.16, is it's a word about the word. Right? It is a word about the Bible. So today, uh, I want to start out with a question, and here it is. Where did the Bible come from? I just want to think about it for a couple minutes. Where did the Bible come from? Look at, look at this verse again. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training uh, in righteousness. Um, you may not be interested uh, in it, but uh, March Madness is going on right now. Is anybody uh, watching the games last night? I've got a couple centers in the room. Okay, it's okay to raise your hand. Yeah, I watched the game last night, yeah. And uh, you know what's interesting about... Uh, you know, sports and stuff like that, is people are not just uh, interested in the scores and the highlights, but they want to know about the players. You know, you want to know about their, their, where they come from and their background and, you know, stuff like that. So the announcers all throughout the tournament are sharing little stories about uh, the athletes. Uh, even last night, one of the coaches got on there and said, hey, this, this guy right here uh, is a great guy. He's getting his degree in engineering and, you know, gave us a little bit of his, his bio. Right? So this passage that we're looking at this morning is the Bible given its own autobiography, so to speak. It is, the Bible is telling us about itself. That's what it's doing. Um, now, you may be here and you may not believe the Bible. Right? You may be saying, well, I, I've got some questions and concerns about it. If that's the case, you ought to at least want to know what the Bible says about itself and hear what it has to say for itself um, First, so Paul says here uh, that the scriptures are inspired by God. That's what this passage says. All the Bible, the scripture, is inspired by God. And literally, uh, the word there, this, this passage is written in Greek. It's two Greek words. The Greek word for God and the Greek word for breath. The word inspired. All of the Bible is God's breath to us. It's breathed out by him. It is inspired by him. That is the Bible's claim 
uh, about itself. So the Spirit of God worked through the biblical writers to write down exactly what he wanted them to, exactly what he intended uh, for them to write. And listen, God's people have believed this from the very beginning. For thousands and thousands of years, this is what God's people have believed, even before Jesus stepped on the scene, right? The Jews believed that the writings of the prophets and the writings of Moses, those were all God's word, right? Uh, for instance, Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, Look, I have taught you statutes and ordinances as the Lord my God has commanded me. You see that? The things that I taught you, the things that were written down, those are things that God taught me, that God revealed to me. He gave those things to me. So that you may follow them in the land that you are entering to possess. Carefully follow them. For this will show your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the peoples. When they hear about all these statutes, they will say, this great nation is indeed a wise and understanding people. Right? This is what people believed about uh, Moses' writing. This is what all the prophets in the scriptures believed. They believed they were speaking God's word. They believed they wrote God's word. For instance, Jonah, right? Everybody, knows, everybody pretty much knows about Jonah, right? Jonah was the preacher that got ate up by the big uh, fish and puked out uh, on the beach. Um, this is what Jonah uh, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amazai. You see that? That God's word came to him almost as if it was a person. That God's word came to him, and here's what it said. Here's what God said. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it because their evil has come up against me. Right? And, uh, you know, Jonah, all throughout his, uh, his ministry or whatever, was by himself, really. You know, he was on a solo. He didn't have a team with him. He didn't have a bunch of other guys with him or anything like that. He was sent solo to go preach. How did we get the book? Well, he must have told on himself eventually. I mean, it's pretty embarrassing, the book of Jonah. So he wrote it down, right, and it is God's word to us is what I'm saying. He believed that he heard God's word. It was included in the scriptures, and it is God's uh, breath to us. So the Bible claims to be God's word. Now, when people, uh, you know, people ask me questions about it, they might have objections or pushback. My response is always, this is what Jesus believed, right? This is our highest authority. I mean, wh what greater authority can we appeal to than Jesus? This is what Jesus believed about, uh, about the scriptures. Look at, uh, look at what he said. Well, yeah, look at what he said in Matthew 22, verse 31 and 32. So Jesus here is being interrogated by the religious and political leaders uh, about what's going to happen in the end, right? They were questioning him about all these things, and, and here was his response. Now concerning the resurrection of the dead, look at this. Haven't you read what was spoken by God? You see that? Haven't you read in the Bible what God said? So Jesus equated the writings of Moses with God, what God said. And then he quotes, see that in the bold? He's quoting from uh, the book of Exodus right here. And here's what it says. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of living. That's Jesus. This is what Jesus thought about the Bible. It is what God says. What the Bible says is what God says according uh, to Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, well, but I watched a TikTok video. I watched a TikTok video that, that, that said otherwise, right? And uh, these are interesting times when, when that is the response 
when hearing about uh, the Bible as God's word. I, I watched a, a video flipped up and it was a discrediting what Jesus said. Here's the deal. Jesus claimed to be God. We have to wrestle with that. This man said, I am God. Right? Now, I, said that, I shared that with someone recently, and they said, well, he must have been crazy. He must have been crazy. Jesus, I mean, because that's a pretty serious claim, isn't it? When someone says, I'm God, right? Now, that's one option. He was nuts. C.S. Lewis put it like this. I love C.S. Lewis uh, on this. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. That's Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. Maybe that's you. He's a, he was an inspirational guy. He was a good dude, a good teacher. But I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would not be a good person. He would either be a lunatic on the level uh, with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice, right? Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. Right? You see, Jesus proved that he was right about the Bible because of his resurrection from the dead. You see, that just makes sense. If Jesus rose from the dead, then that means everything that he said is true. Right? Because no one's ever come back from the dead. Right? And he said that he was going to do that. Do you know that the, the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus is absolutely overwhelming? And it's insurmountable. Right? The fact that Jesus Christ uh, rose from the dead. One of the, one of the evidences is, is the change that happened in his disciples. So historically, the disciples saw their hero murdered on the cross by the Roman government and the political and religious leaders of the Jews. Right? He was really dead on that cross. The people who killed him knew what they were doing. They were like uh, special forces type folks. He was really dead, brought him down from the cross, and buried him in a, uh, in a tomb that was heavily guarded. And the disciples were scared to death. They thought they were going to get it next. So they, they uh, fled. They gave, I mean, what would you do? They, they gave up. He, they, he was dead. It was done. Right? But then for some reason they said that they saw him alive. And their lives were absolutely transformed. And they didn't care if they died or not. And all of them went out and did that. They went out and preached the Bible, claiming that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the fulfillment of all what the prophets said, and they went to their death believing that, even though they saw him die. And they went out under the authority of Jesus with his permission and finished the book. They finished writing the rest of, uh, of the scriptures. So all of the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, and all of the second part of the Bible that the apostles and the disciples finished have this stamp of Jesus' approval uh, on them. And you may be here, you may be objecting, and you say, well, it was written by men. That's a common objection. The Bible was uh, written by men, and that's, that's partly true. Uh, but think about this. What if God used broken, messed up people like you and me to pin exactly what he wanted them to. What if that's the truth? What would that mean about the Bible? What would that mean about God? And this is what God has always done from the very beginning. He takes all of our mistakes and all of our faults and all of our flaws, and he brings something good out of them, right? And he, so he's able to do that with, with the scriptures as well. 
If that's true, it means we ought to worship him for the fact that we have the Bible, that we ought to trust it. That's what 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 20 and 21 says. Above all, you know this, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible claims, the Bible itself claims to be, yes, human, but also divine, just like Jesus, right? Just like Jesus. So if it's possible for the divine and the human to come together in Jesus, then it is nothing for God to bring the human and the divine together uh, in the scriptures. And the resurrection of Jesus is, is proof of all this. I mean, just think about it. If God is able to raise a man from the dead, to breathe life back into the dead body of Jesus, then don't you think he can breathe out whatever he wants in this book? That's easy for him. That, that, that's nothing for God. Um, I was talking with someone recently, and, uh, you know, once people find out I'm a pastor, they like to, they like to share all their objections, so I get lots of practice. Um, so I'm ready for this. Um, so we were talking, we're going back and forth, and I, and I just said, listen, you need to really think about whether you're open to this or not, whether you really have an open heart to the truth or not. And he said, I guess I don't, I guess I don't have an open heart. I guess I'm not open to the truth. And I appreciated his honesty, but here's the deal. If you're not open to the fact that the Bible is God's word, how could you ever hear from him? Right? If you don't have an open heart to hear the truth, how would you ever hear anything from anybody? Right? So the question is, is your heart open this morning? Is your heart open to hear God's voice and what he has for you uh, in the scriptures? Because here's the deal. The Bible is God-breathed-out word. That's what the scriptures claim to be. So here's the next question. What is the Bible good for? What is the Bible good for? Let's look at this passage again. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Here it is. And that doesn't mean like, make some money profitable. It means useful. It is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. All right? Um, I mentioned last week, a couple weeks ago, uh, me and my oldest daughter took an overnight trip to, uh, to D.C. We had a little uh, daddy-daughter uh, trip, and we had a great time. We went and uh, got lost on the uh, metro. That was fun. And uh, we went to all kinds of different um, museums and stuff, and uh, right after lunch, we were really close to the uh, Renwick uh, Gallery. Uh, there, it's part of the Smithsonian. And uh, I want to show you a picture of something I saw there. It's not the best picture in the world. But what do you see besides maybe all you see is all the hot pink that want to burn your retinas out? Can you see the people lying on the floor? All right. Well, anyway... Down here is a bunch of people lying on the floor looking up at this hot pink mess right here. And uh, basically, really all it was was a, a fishnet hung from the ceiling and some uh, stage lights uh, shining on it, right? And it was cool, whatever. Um, but as I was standing looking down upon all these people, and uh, what came to my mind was these people are searching. You know, these people are searching for something. They're trying to find something spiritual. They're trying to find some beauty out there. You know what I mean? They're trying to find something 
uh, in life. Like people are searching. Like the whole room is just laid out with people. Imagine if you walk in a room, you see everyone laying on the floor. Right? That's what it was. I uh, I work in substance abuse, and uh, you know lead substance abuse groups every week. And a question that um, I ask these groups from time to time is, you know, what's in it for you? Why why do why do people use drugs? You know, why do why do we do this? All right, and here's some of the common responses. I do it uh, to belong, to feel, you know, to be accepted, to have friends, uh, to have a relationship. You know, that's usually how drugs and alcohol work. It, it, it spreads through uh, our relationships and our, the connections that we have. Uh, people uh, say that they, they do it to feel love because a lot of people have experienced a lot of trauma and a lot of heartbreak and no love. You know, so this, that feeling that they have when they use drugs or the people that they use with might be the best thing they've ever had in, in their life, the closest thing they've ever experienced to love. Uh, they do it to deal with life because life is hard. You know, there's a lot of suffering and pain, death, brokenness uh, in life. They do it to escape from the difficulty or the boredom and just the everyday just meaninglessness of life at times. And listen, all of these things are a search for God. All of those are an attempts to find in something else other than him what can only be found in God. Right? And, and we all do this. We all do it in all kinds of different ways. People are searching for God and they're listening to someone or something. Right? That's, that's the thing. Who are you listening to this morning? Who are you listening to? Here's the deal. If, we, if you aren't listening to God's word, then who are you listening to? Because you might say, Ricky, you listen to that Bible up there. You think it's God's word, right? Well, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Uh, a lot of people are listening to themselves. That's just where our culture's at, that, that we are the final authority, and whatever we think and feel, we just, we just do. We're listening to ourselves. Uh, someone uh, said to me recently, I don't trust the Bible because it was written by men. So I said, well, who do you trust? And they said, myself. And uh, I don't think they thought that one all the way through. Uh, because he was just a man as well, right? So let me suggest one reason not to trust yourself. You can't figure it all out. You cannot figure uh, life out. Um, last week, I installed a paper towel dispenser in one of the restrooms here. And believe it or not, I had to look at the instructions. Now, if I have to look at the instructions, you see where I'm going with this? To install a paper towel dispenser, how can I figure out my life? I need a word from God. This is what the scriptures are for. This is why uh, they are good. And it, it, it just makes sense. All right, it makes me think about uh, Job uh, in the scriptures. Good old Job. Uh, if you've never heard the story of Job, he was a good man who God allowed to go through the ringer in life. He experienced a lot of tragedy and loss and death, and it led him to question God, just like it would all of us. And uh, this was God's response uh, to Job in Job 38, 1 through 4. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, and he said, you see that? Go back to that. Now, notice that was written down for you. The Lord answered Job, and he said, and it was pinned down in the Bible for you. But look what he said. Who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? This is Job, God talking to Job. 
get ready to answer me like a man. I like that. Job, time for a man talk. You've been talking a lot of words. Now it's time for me to talk. Uh, when I questioned you, you would inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you understand, if you have any understanding. And then the Lord begins to walk him throughout the entire earth, right? It walks him through all of reality and says, you understand this, Job? You know how this works? Where were you when I did this? You know how these things work? You know when no one else is looking? I'm there. I know exactly what's going on, right? And here's the deal. We don't have the capacity to figure it all out. Has your understanding of things ever got you in trouble? When you tried to figure it out on your own, when you tried to do whatever you thought was going to be the best or the, or the right thing to do or just whatever you wanted to do, how did that, how did that go? All right? We all know how that goes. See, without a word from God, there's nothing but utter confusion in our lives. Right? And this is where our culture and our society is right now. Utter confusion. Utter confusion. If the world is not as God says it is, then we are left in the darkness. See, because God speaks from heaven through the scriptures, through this book, and he says, this is who you are. This is who God is. This is what your body is and what it's for. This is who you are as a man and a woman. This is what marriage is. This is what's right and wrong and what justice is. This is what ethnicity is and what race is and this is what everything is. This is what sexuality is. This is what your political leaders ought to do. And all these other things, right? He speaks about all of reality. See, our lives are not Plato, right? We can't take our lives and, you know, poke it and shape it and mold it and squeeze it and do with it whatever uh, we want. Uh, our lives are more like Seneca Rocks. I know we got some uh, Virginia folks in the room. You guys know Seneca Rocks? I think we got a picture. Yeah. Seneca Rocks is this beautiful uh, outcropping um, that's not uh, too far away from here. And listen, you can't play Play-Doh with that. You can't go up there and, you know, you would be like a little tiny speck up there because there's trees up on top of those rocks, right? You imagine trying to play Play-Doh with that, that big uh, mess of rocks? That's what your life is like, right? You're, you're, you're who God made you to be. Right? This world is the way that God uh, set it up to be. He is immovable. We can't change him and play Plato uh, with God. Right? We can't do with our bodies whatever we want and expect everything to be okay. Because God made them. We can't do whatever we want with our souls and expect everything to be okay. We can't do whatever we want with our sexuality and expect everything to be okay. We can't do whatever we want socially and politically and culturally and expect everything to be okay. We can't do whatever we want with money and our personal finances and expect everything to be okay because this is God's world and he tells us how it, how it should be. Um, so we do have some folks in the room uh, from Richmond and I'm sure we got a couple of VCU fans in here, Virginia Commonwealth uh, basketball fans. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I know you're in here. There they are. I knew it. I knew it. But um, in 2011, the VCU men's team, it was a smaller school, made it to the Final Four. And they had a particular style of defense that they played called Havoc, right? Anybody remember Havoc? Havoc defense? Well, anyway, it was, you know, all the basketball players, all the defense just running around crazy, just disrupting everyone. That was the whole goal, just disrupt the, the offense, right? And really, that's what we got going on in our, our culture. 
is we got havoc and we have mayhem and just utter confusion and everything's disruptive and everyone's just running around uh, crazy. But it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that because God has spoken. God has spoken. As we don't have to be confused anymore. We don't have to be. Look, look what Isaiah uh, chapter 66 verse 2 says. This is such a beautiful passage, but this is the one, this is God speaking here to you. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit, broken in spirit, and trembles at my word. You see that? This passage is saying, listen, if you're open, if you have an open heart, a humble heart, right, then you can have a relationship with God. What? That is amazing. It says, that, listen, if you're humble and you, you, you reverence God's word and you're listening to it, he will look to you. Do you see that? This is a promise that God makes to you. He will look upon your life and you can have a relationship with him because he speaks to you in the, in the word. And what does God tell us in the Bible? What, what does he tell us? What is the, what is the overarching message of, of the scriptures? We talked about it last week. It's one book, got one story about one man, Jesus Christ. That's what the whole book is about. The whole book is not a bunch of heaping rules to beat you down. The whole book is about what God has done for us in Jesus. It's not about what you need to do for God. It's about what he did out of his great love and great grace and great mercy he did for sinners like me and you. And you couldn't lift a finger to do any of it. He did it all for you at the cross. It's what he did. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 puts it like this. He, God, made the one who did not know sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God's word is about God's son who switched places with you at the cross. See, that's what happened at the cross. There was this great exchange that happened. You who are a sinner, Jesus switched places with you and took your sin upon himself, that he became sin for us, and God judged Jesus. God punished his own son. God exiled his own son from his uh, presence. All right, and Jesus died on the cross. He took the curse for our sin. And when you humbly listen to this word and receive it for yourselves, what is the promise to you? We just heard it. God will look upon you. He will forgive you. What in the world? God, if you believe the gospel, you will be forgiven. If you believe Jesus, you will be forgiven. And if you're here in a Christian, if you're a Christian in the room, he does not stop forgiving you. You're forgiven once for all. Don't believe that lie. He forgives and 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 he forgives. He doesn't stop forgiving. That's the beautiful thing about the cross is the good news. And when you believe, God says you're not guilty anymore. Let me ask you a question. Are you here? Are you riddled with guilt? Are you shot through with guilt and shame in your life? This is what Christ died for. And when you believe in him, God says not guilty. Matter of fact, better than that, you're as good as Jesus now. I declare you righteous in Christ, in my son, apart from anything you do. This is what we receive by faith. This is what the word is about. Uh, John Calvin, he was a Swiss pastor uh, during the Protestant Reformation. 
And uh, he, he wrote this about this passage here in 2 Timothy. He said, it would be too long to explain what we are to learn from the scriptures. Right? In other words, listen, I could go on and on and on and on here about what all's up in the Bible. Right? The most valuable knowledge, therefore, is this, faith in Christ. That's what the scriptures are about. This is what the scriptures are good for. Right? They're good for the good news for, for sinners like me and you to, to save us. And that word, when you hear it, changes you. Right? That word changes you deep down. Right? God's word is good because it's powerful to change. Look at, look at what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16 again. Let's look at this again. All scriptures inspired by God is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training uh, in righteousness. I remember uh, over 20 years ago, uh, when I first became a Christian, and uh, I knew very little about the Bible. Actually, I knew nothing, right? I didn't know who Jesus was or any of that, and I'm doing what we're all doing here right now. I started going out to church, and I remember hearing this book read and hearing it preached, and it was almost when they come out of the preacher's mouth, they were highlighted for my eyes to see, right? See, God was speaking to me, right? He was calling out to me through his word. Maybe he's doing that for you right now. Right, um, and uh, ever since then, you know, over 20 years ago, God has been taking a wretch like me, right, and working on me, correcting me, training me, molding, shaping me uh, the way that he wants. Now, see, the Bible is like a, a cordless combo kit, right? We had a lot of those going on in here uh, yesterday, uh, a lot of drills, a lot of saws, you know, uh, a lot of nail guns going on. Um, the Bible is useful for all kinds of things. It says here, it's uh, useful for teaching, right? You want to know what the truth is? Right here it is. All right, the Bible rebukes us, right? It fixes what we have broken. Listen, listen, oh, you've, you've blown it here. You, you've done, obviously, what the Lord hasn't wanted you to do, but we get in the scriptures, we hear the scriptures, and it, it fixes what we've, uh, we've broken. It is useful for correcting it's the right tool for the job and helps us do life the right way. It's useful for training in righteousness. It trains us for righteous living. So yesterday we, we did a bunch of work uh, here on the building, and uh, we had a, a team from Redemption Hill Church, Richmond, uh, Virginia, and City Church in uh, Williamsport, uh, Pennsylvania. And we want to thank you guys so much for all the hard work that you, you guys killed it. You guys did a ton of work, right? And they were here. Uh, helping us do some finishing work, like the trim around these doors, the door handles. You can't see through the door jam now. That's pretty cool. Um, we got trim around the doors and door handles. And see, that's what the scriptures do. The scriptures finish us, right? They uh, work on us and, and complete us and make us who we, who we ought to be. That's what this passage says, that the Bible's good for all these different reasons so that, verse 17, right here, verse 17, 2 Timothy 3.17, so that the man of God may be complete. See that? So that the man of God, a woman of God, you might be finished. You might be complete, equipped for every good work. See, the Bible is God's word and the main tool that he uses to complete the good work that he's already begun in us. You see, the Christian life is not just about starting and getting saved and becoming forgiven and all that. And you just stay the same. God loves you too much to allow you to stay where you're at. He loves you right where you're at. 
but he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. That's a big difference. The goal is maturity. The goal is that he might finish you and complete you. Right? That's what the scriptures do. That's, that's the main tool that he uses to work us. The goal is to become like Jesus. Right? To be like him in our character. And this is, this is the goal, Christ-likeness. And that is the heart of every true Christian. Right? You want to be like Jesus. He's the master carpenter. Right? We, we, wanna, we want him to finish us. Right? We, we want him to complete us. And listen, I want you to know that we are a church that cherishes the Bible. Right? We believe every word, every letter is inspired by God. Because that's what Jesus believed. Look at it, Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. For truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter, I love this, or one stroke of a letter, not one dot on the eye is going to pass away from the law of the Bible until all these things are accomplished, right? And see, we, we believe the Bible is without error. No errors, no mistakes, nothing wrong, perfect. Right here, it's perfect. And maybe you say, but there's so many errors in it. Well, show me one. Show me one. Is that something that you just heard somebody say, but you don't know of one single error in the scriptures? You think about that. Because I hear this objection all the time, and my response is, show me one. And nobody ever shows me one. Right? My challenge to you is, is that's where you're at here this morning. Then have an open heart. Go home and do your homework. Read the stories about Jesus. Read the book of John. See for yourself as to if it's God's word. And we would love to answer any questions that, that you have. At, at, so we were here working on the building uh, yesterday and worked all day long. And then afterwards, uh, we went and went to a buffet. Right? It was all laid out there. All the food, all the country cooking was, was laid out there for us. You see, the Bible is like a big old buffet. It, it is spread out there for us. Right? And we just need to dig in. Dig into the scriptures. Look at, look at this beautiful passage from Jeremiah 15. I'm almost done. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Look at this. This is so beautiful. Your words were found, and I ate them. See that? You see, reading the scriptures, hearing the scriptures, believing the scriptures is like eating. You just got to gobble it up. Right? You taste it with your heart and your soul. All right, your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart, for I bear your name, Lord God of armies. Is it feast or famine with the Bible for you in your life right now? Are you feasting? Because it's laid out there. The book is laid out there for us. All right, feast or famine. There's no reason to be malnourished in your life when it comes to the scriptures. All right, we just need to take and eat. All right, we just need to take and eat. Because this, this, this is this passage. Your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart. All right, that's beautiful, right? Because it's God's word. He's speaking to us uh, in it. It is, it is our daily bread. Maybe that's not how you feel when it comes to the scriptures. Maybe when, when you come to this book, you feel lost, right? Because it's not easy. It's complicated at times, right? Well, here's my encouragement to you, right? This is what we're here for as a church, right? And we have plenty of time. By God's grace, we have plenty of time. Listen, when I started cracking this book, there was a lot that was really simple. But there are other things. I'm like, man, what in the world is going on in this book, right? But we're here to encourage one another, support one another, and learn uh, together. Um, God's word's like a tax refund. 
God's word is good because it's like a tax refund. If you got one. If not, and you had to pay back, I'm sorry. This doesn't work for you, I guess. Uh, but you, you get that notification or maybe you get the email. Cha-ching. Right? You get that tax refund uh, in your bank account. And um, hopefully you spend it wisely. But uh, Psalm 119, verse 72. Instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Now you see that? Right? What a treasure we have in the scriptures. Right? These words and these pages are from the lips of God. They are God's breath and God's voice to us. There's nothing like it. When you read it, when you hear it preached, when you sing it, when you share it with other people, when you encouragement, encourage other people, that's God's breath. You can feel, you can feel his, his breath speaking to you, right? And it's worth more than all the gold and all the treasure and all the money piled high, all the riches in the entire world. And that's what we want to respond to now.